So, you want to hear a ghost story, do you? Well, I have the perfect one. It all took place at 2281 Marina Boulevard in San Leandro. It was the place that I... <coughs> I'm too... Sorry about that. Anyway, um, yeah, it was the place that I uh, uh, bought as my first home. You know, for so many years I was playing for the Raiders. It was crazy because, uh, you know, everybody would give me bad time because I was living in a little condo out in uh, Alameda. They were like, dude, you're wasting your money renting, man. You need to buy a house. It's like the best investment out there. And I was just like, I don't know. I'm not ready, man. You know, and years would go by. They'd always give me a bad time. Um, one time even, uh, I ordered some pizza uh, and um, the delivery driver came in and he, you know, stepped in and all that stuff. And he's looking around and he's looking at me. He's looking around, looking at me. He's like, you're, you're Kenny Shedd, right? Plays for the Raiders, right? Well, yeah, he was like, where, why are you living here? I mean, I'm expecting you to live in this big freaking mansion. I mean, you know, and I, I told him, it's like, dude, I keep it simple, bro. Um, but that kind of stayed with me. Not that I felt that I needed to go out and buy a house because of a delivery driver or nothing like that. But it was just all kind of like, uh, I've been hearing those stories uh, for so many years. So um, in 2000, I finally made the move. You know, I felt comfortable. Um, and, uh, I found a home out in San Leandro and, um, and I said, you know what? It's time. Uh, big, big, uh, five bedroom house sits right there on the corner. If anybody's familiar with San Leandro, um, it's a little, uh, sect of homes there about eight or so. Um, if you weren't looking for it, you drive right by that like little road that you take to get in there to where the homes are. And, um, you know, but it sits right off there of Doolittle in Marina. So um, my real estate agent took me around and I spotted that one and I said, I have to have it. I have to have it. She's just like, well, there's like three plus people bidding for it. I'm like, I don't care. I have, this is my house. This is my first house ever. Uh, you know, it's time. So she was able to make it happen. It actually turned out that, uh, that the guy was actually a Raider fan, so that helped me out. The people in the neighborhood weren't happy because he gave me, not only did he let me get the house over everybody else, he actually gave me a really good deal too. So everything was just perfect with this house. You know, too bad it was haunted. Um, but that's, that's, uh, that's why we're here. We're here to uh, talk about this beautiful, beautiful first home that I got. Um, and how I learned uh, very directly and very clearly that uh, spirits do exist. So, um, so in 2000, uh, my mom um, ended up coming out um, and um, staying with me for the weekend. Um, pretty much I had help getting um, with movers and whatever and friends, whatever, getting the big stuff like sofas and all that stuff out of the condo in Alameda and getting it down to uh, uh, San Leandro um, to my new house. So, but that particular weekend, um, you know, uh, it was during the off season, so not much was going on. There was a perfect time to be moving. So I had my mom come out and she stayed with me and we had a really good time. We did our normal thing, go out for ice cream, uh, go sit by the water and just kind of catch up and everything. And um, good mom, dad, or mom, son moment. And then uh, we, we just kind of had fun doing it. So um, later that night, it was time to kind of clear out all the other stuff at the at the old home and kind of get it over there to the new home. So um, we load up the car. Mom 
jumps in, we go out there and all that stuff. And we've it's been a long day anyway, so uh, we're really kind of just kind of like uh, um, gonna kind of finish up there, and then um, uh, just kind of chill for a little bit. And then my mom had a flight uh, flying out that night, actually. So um, we get there to the house in San Leandro. Uh, I had been there, um, obviously, so um, a lot of everything was was. Uh, kind of I've become familiar with it had this like little alarm system um, and in in, um, in certain spots just like most alarm uh, uh, security systems you know you have the little probe um, and then um, motion dis motion detector uh, uh, position here and there throughout the house uh, uh, again I'm from Iowa so we don't there's there, there's places and where you can actually leave your door open uh, throughout the night and you're going to be just fine because just, uh, you know, these neighborhoods are really nice and uh, the, the crime is usually not uh, a, that big of a factor in a lot of the areas in, in, in Iowa, Davenport especially. And that was the case. So when we get there and we get to the my new house, my mom walks in and she's just like... Um, She's just like blown away by all these different uh, things, like the like the motion detectors and stuff. She's like, "What's that? What, what what's that there?" I'm just like, "Oh, it's a motion detector." And she gets around, and she drops something down, and you know, moves around, checks everything out. She's like, "Oh my God, this is a gorgeous house!" And I'm just like, "Isn't it nice?" So um, she wants to see the upstairs now, and now there's this like motion detector that's positioned um, kind of by the kitchen, and then um, it it it. it it's traced on the uh, stairs that lead up upstairs to the bedrooms there. We had like uh, four, uh, you know, four bedrooms up there and, uh, and a den. So it was, it was like, the, it was way overdoing it, to be honest with you. Somebody uh, goes from a small condo uh, to a five uh, bedroom house just, and it's just him. It was, it was overdoing it. Well, it was me and my two dogs. So yeah, I mean, my dogs needed their space. So that was my rationale. So my mom, bless her heart, she starts upstairs and stuff. And then she stops. She's like, she noticed this noise. It was just like, it would blink. She's like, what's, what's going on here? She'd step back and then it'd blink again. Blink, blink, blink. Then she'd step back and she's looking around. She's not understanding what's going on. She's like, why is it doing that? And I was like, mom, it's the motion detector. It's, it's, there's another one right there and it's on the stairs. She's like, oh my God, that's so cool. She looked, saw where it was coming from. And then she <laughs> did like, like this little cute, like little, like little two-step up the stairs, back, up the stairs, back. And she was like dancing. It was like, blink, blink. Blink, 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 blink. She's like, oh my God, that's so cool. I'm just like, all right, mom. It was adorable. Um, you know, but I really didn't notice it until really then too. I'm just like, man, that 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 motion detector is it's it's legit, you know. I mean, it, it hits every like little step and every like little motion up there. So it was pretty cool. Uh, so, you know, anyway, she we go upstairs and she finishes uh checking out the other rooms and stuff she sees the master bedroom she's like god dang and then she goes to the other side of the room of the house and then there's two other bedrooms over there that are you know legit size and there's this den down there and i'm just like mom i literally don't know what i'm gonna do with all this space but i, I hey i'm happy and um you know uh, it's it's i'm gonna settle on in and kind of make make this my home you know and so she hugged me and she thought I did a really good job and she was proud of me and all that stuff um you know so we you know we get all settled on in the dogs are there and all that stuff and they're having fun hanging out with their grandma and all that stuff too 
Um, you know, me and my mom kind of made, made dinner, settled on in and all that stuff um, uh, after dinner. But then um, it became time to where I had to get her out to the um, airport. Uh, she took a, like a, you know, late night flight or a later night flight uh, back home. Um, and it, it was, it worked all, it all worked out. So um, I come home and now it's just me and my dogs. It's dark, you know, I mean, it's not as lively. It's dark out and obviously the house is like not as uh, light as it was. And I'm looking around like, huh, it's quiet. There's nobody in there. Um, you know, I didn't even have anything set up to be able to do um, music or anything yet and all that stuff too. And um, cell phones weren't really that big by then too. So I'm like literally sitting there kind of like, uh, wow, this is kind of creepy. Um, but okay, no big deal. Um, you know, so I settled on in. I'm still looking around at this massive house and I'm very, very proud of myself again. So, uh, it was so, it was so cool that I, I was taking time sleeping in each room just to kind of like, uh, get a feel and say, okay, all right, uh, you know, this is all settled in. Then I'd sleep in the other third, the second room or whatever. Oh yeah, that one's uh, all settled on in. And then I uh, crashed down on the floor and the other bedroom that was downstairs and stuff. And I was just like a, like a schoolboy just running around like, holy smokes, this is just great. Later at night, I, uh, I remember um, uh, falling asleep and, um, Everything was all good up until, uh, I don't even know what time it was, but it was past midnight. I know that uh, everything on our block was, was all quiet. Um, um, but for some reason, I could, I'm in bed, I can hear my dogs growling. You know, that's, that's usually not very typical, obviously, that, that time of night and everything. I'm just kind of like, uh, what are they growling at? My, my dogs, uh, little Jayco little uh, rat terrier and then uh, my other dog my first real dog um, sugar uh, a white Bichon frise who was has all the characteristics of a real girl um, you know uh, she was <laughs> she was a very very special dog uh, with emotions and all the difference just I would take her to uh, the pet store and they'd groom her up and it was she looked completely different than a regular Bichon frise. Uh, for some reason, I, I, well, I know why. I didn't like the beards that come with these Bichon Frises and stuff like that. Definitely didn't look good on my, my dog. And um, so I had them uh, do her differently. And she looked like a little mix of a poodle. Um, but, and she was adorable. And uh, she was just, just, just a sweetheart. Um, so I wake up because they're growling at something. Um, in that room, obviously, it was... Uh, you know, the the bed and then where they were, where they were in the closets is where they would normally crash, like, uh, it, like, nuzzle down in my, like, clothes or whatever, clothes basket and stuff like that, and then that's where they would uh, crash for the night, you know, but I would leave the, uh, the sliding door downstairs slightly open, um, for them, because uh, if they had to go to the bathroom and all that stuff, they just would go in and out and, um, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, it wasn't that big of a space that I leave open because they weren't the biggest dogs. So, um, I was just kind of like, uh, I, I was woken up and I was like, what's, what, what are they, uh, what are they doing? And so all of a sudden Jaco, uh, starts kind of like getting raised up and now he's really kind of, kind of 
barking at something really, really not just kind of like he's staying in the room, but something is has his attention. Now I'm up and I'm, I can hear what he's hearing. Um, so I can I could hear that noise that that I remember hearing when my mom was walking up the stairs uh, towards the bath to the bedrooms. I could hear it now. It was it started out kind of faint, but then I'm listening to him say, wait a minute. And then it was like blink, 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 blink. And it was and each time it would get uh, louder. My dogs were getting louder, too, and barking like like really growling about ready to. But they wouldn't go out of the room. They would only go like a few steps outside the closet. But I'm just like, OK, what's going on there? And, and I'm thinking something's coming up those stairs. I didn't know what it was, but I, I felt comfortable that, uh, hey, I, I, my dogs aren't the biggest things, but, you know, if that's a cat or something like that, um, uh, I'm sure that they're going to have no problem taking it out because I once saw um, those two dogs um, tear apart this freaking big old rat um, out in the, uh, one of the other, out in Alameda, I believe. It was like this big old rat that they came across, and I, I literally saw one of them, I don't know which one it was, bite a big old chunk out of this dang rat's stomach, and it was just like, it was like the most bizarre thing I've seen. Like, this rat had this look, and it's like, oh man. <laughs> and it was like half of his stomach was gone. And then next thing you know, they both pounced on this thing, and then the thing was gone completely. I'm like, what the heck? So I knew for a fact that this tandem of dogs could take care of, uh, you know, if something's, you know, like an animal or a raccoon or whatever is coming up that, that uh, um, the stairs, that, that they could handle it. But uh, never once did they go outside, and then it would get louder. Blink, 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 blink. And I'm just like, okay, all right. So I kind of braced myself. I didn't know exactly what it was. And it kept getting closer and closer to the room we were in. And I'm just like, holy crap. Um, I don't, you know, I don't have anything in here. So, uh, but um, it, it, whatever it was, wasn't making like a lot of noise, like up the stairs. You didn't sound like you could hear, you could, couldn't hear footprints or stuff like that. So even if it was a person, I was just like, this is a little person, so, you know, I mean, that was back in the days when I was playing, so I was loaded with muscles and stuff back in those days, and just, you know, feeling confident, dun, 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 let's do this type stuff, you know, like this big old nasty NFL ball player, like, who's the, somebody's up in my house, all right, let's do this, you know, um, so I wasn't necessarily worried, because like I said, I couldn't hear no footsteps, but, but there was definitely something was coming up those stairs, and I was already... And then everything just got quiet, and the dogs kind of kind of stopped, uh, you know, growling for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, from nowhere, I heard this loud. <laughs> it was like the most scariest noise I've ever heard. It was a mixture of a pirate scream mixed with a de like a like Satan yelling, something. And it carried all the way up the stairs and wrapped around into the room where we were. And it was like this force just blew right past us. I jumped up out of the bed. <laughs> I'm in my underwear. <laughs> Nothing but my underwear. I jumped out of the bed. The dogs are going crazy just, but they're like, now they run back into the closet, but they're still barking and all that stuff. And I jump up and I open the door to the, to the window 
I got half my half my body out, one leg hanging, and I'm about to go overside. I'm like, the dogs were gonna have to be on their own, you know, because I don't know what this thing is, but I'm I'm out of here. I was scared to death. And then all I remember was just everything just just grew still again. And the dogs stopped barking. There was no more noise downstairs. There's no more no motion detector noise anywhere. Uh, there was no lights, uh, nothing. It was just complete, utter silence um, from that point on. And I'm just like still hanging out this window. Oh, everything's shaking. I'm just like heart pounding like, what the heck? Um, and I stood there for about five minutes, I think, trying to calm down and figure out, okay, what's, what's going on here? Am I sleeping? Is this, am I still asleep? Uh, and I looked around and there was nothing. My dog stopped uh, barking and they kind of came out of the closet. They looked up at me like, uh, <clears throat> hey, you okay? I'm like, well, <laughs> what you, does it look like I'm okay? <laughs> I'm about to nosedive out of this second story freaking bedroom, man. And I didn't care what was going to happen after that. I'm just like, whatever's coming, it's not real. It's not human. And it's about to, it's about to cause some problems. I don't know what made it not, but after another 20 minutes, after I pulled myself together and I pulled my legs out of the out of the root out of the uh, window, I uh, turned on the lights and then I built up the courage to peek around the corner, and everything was just like it was. There was no. I mean, the lights were still off like they were. There was nothing on the stairs. There was nothing anywhere. And then so I was able to build up enough courage to go downstairs. I look around and, you know, I mean, it, it was a new house. So there was no real, not much furniture or much inside, nothing but boxes, really. So there was nothing to really kind of block anything. If there was something down there, they wouldn't really be able to hide so I went down there. I didn't see anything. There was nothing to the left in this room. There was nothing to the uh, in the kitchen. There was nothing to the right. I looked, and the uh, the sliding glass door was exactly like I left it. There was nothing. It didn't get moved up <clears throat> or further apart or anything like that. Nothing was kicked over. Um, nothing. And I was just like in shock. And I was looking around. I was like, what the heck was that? And I realized after all that that this was uh, this was the house trying to tell me something that hey look you might be the new homeowner but um, this is ours we own this place or I don't know how you would describe uh, you know we possess this house or something like that this is uh, it, this is ours I guess but and it was letting me know that very directly that um, you know they were the boss. <laughs> so, um, I went back upstairs, turned on all the lights, obviously from downstairs upstairs, and I laid back down, uh, fell I, I didn't sleep, but I laid back down to bed and I just kind of like uh, just laid there for the rest of the night until morning time. And then uh, uh, I went back out and looked again, like there was nothing disturbed on the outside of the house. There was nothing any, anywhere, really. I'm just like, something did not make sense. And uh, so I came to the conclusion that that was, those were spirits inside the house. So um, the only thing I could do, think of to do next was to <clears throat> basically address the spirits. And I said, hey, look, guys, um, 
I'm a new homeowner. I have this is my first house. Uh, by no means am I here to take anything from you. Uh, I realize that this is your space. This is your home. Uh, I, I, I'm just looking for a place to stay with some with four walls. That's it. Um, you won't have any problems from me. Uh, I won't be doing anything to disrespect you guys in any way, shape, or form. Um, um, all I'm asking is just the ability to be able to stay here and um, you know enjoy my first home. <clears throat> it may sound crazy, but I never had anything happen close to that at all from that point on. And it was almost like uh, we made an agreement, and um, you know, and we worked together, and we lived together in the same home from that point on. And wow, yeah, Whew. still terrifies me to this day <clears throat> because I can't, I can't, I can't look around and make any sense of it. You know, if it was a rat, you know, who made the noise? You know, uh, man. I don't even know what to say, but the reason why I needed to tell that story is because um, that that right there was the beginning of my uh, police career. You know, I'm a, you know shortly after that I um, ended up. Uh, I mean, just the timing, bad luck timing that I used to having is that uh, uh, <clears throat> that off season ended and it went into the regular season, and then that regular after the uh, pre after the um, training camp, I ended up getting released by Gruden. So um, <clears throat> I had to make a decision. I'm just like, you know, I mean, what do I do? I mean, do I try to find another home? Uh, I ended up getting signed by the, uh, at the time they were called the Washington Redskins, but I ended up getting signed by the Redskins uh, the last eight, the last eight uh, games of the year. So um, I went out there and, um, you know, finished up my career. Uh, had some friends uh, stay at the house and kind of keep an eye on things and stuff uh, uh, while I was gone, um, you know, because it was my new home. I was like, I ain't letting this thing go. And uh, went out to Washington. Um, I was there when Norv Turner was the was the coach. And then um, uh, Deion Sanders was there. Who else? Uh, Jeff George was the, was the quarterback. And Jeff George was actually the one who got me uh, that gig with uh, the Redskins, uh, um, George, Jeff George and I had played together in Raiders with the Raiders. He was one of their quarterbacks, and then Gruden came, and he didn't like Gruden, and Gruden didn't like him. Gruden got rid of him, so and then he got uh, either traded or uh, signed by the Redskins. And um, Jeff George and I, like I said, we were we, we, we were pretty tight with each other in Oakland. So um, uh, so when it came time. Um, Jeff uh, brought it up like, hey, let's get this Kenny Shed guy in here. Uh, he's pretty solid on the special teams, so, um, and we need some special teams help. Let's get him over here. And they signed me. So the last eight games of the year, I was in, I was in Washington. <clears throat> great, great uh, city, by the way. It's super dangerous, obviously. But, I mean, and the reason why I say that is because their crime rate is always the, the top um, in the nation. But the, the design of that city... Uh, with all the capital monuments and uh, everything that goes with it, it's just like it's an amazing setup. Uh, but it's Washington D.C. You know, I mean, um, it's all where the president, all everybody, you know, uh, with our government is all based. So it's it's an I highly recommend if you haven't already going to Washington D.C. For me, my job was to go out there and compete and 
and try to um, impress these guys because, uh, you know, I basically said to myself, I'm less like, I'm going to give this one last shot, this NFL thing, you know. Uh, if, if I don't solidify myself as a, as a hardcore, uh, you know, like a starter or something like that, you know, get that big, big, big money contract uh, that my mom always seems to think I had <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Everybody else, too. No, no, that's only like for... Uh, Three to five percent of NFL players, man. The rest of us, freaking we, we get the bare minimum, and um, that's our NFL career right there, man. <laughs> you know, like ninety percent of us have to freaking scrape for beans, man. Um, but and go out there on special teams and try to, uh, uh, you know, keep their roster spot and all that stuff. So, um, and that was the case when when I went out there to Washington. I was just like, you know what? I'm tired of getting my head pounded and all that stuff. So either I turn this thing around or it's going to be time. So I go out to Washington and I'm I'm doing I'm doing good, man. I put everything together. I told him I'm so hey, look, I'm not just here. Um, and I told Co Coach North Turner that directly. I'm just like, look, I'm not just special teams. I'm a receiver too. There's a lot I can do for you guys. And so that's set the stage that when I go out there. Um, you know, I remember we had a practice, and Champ Bailey was one of the cornerbacks uh, and stuff. I mean, all-pro, Hall of Fame, Champ Bailey, just a freaking stud. Um, you know, um, so I do a route on Champ once in practice where I, he, I didn't break his ankles. I did something even worse. I made him look ghost on that play because I ran a comeback route on him, and he, and he was thinking I was going deep, man, and I ran, I ran such a freaking crisp and clean uh, comeback route, pop, turned around, he didn't even know I had stopped, he was full sprint going down the field, because he just knew I was going deep, and I just broke him off, man, and, and when you watch the film, he's literally nowhere to be found, and I'm standing there, I turn around, I come back, and I you know, I mean, the, with a comeback route, you run 18 yards, 18 to 20 yards and stuff down the sideline, make it look like you're going to go route, and then you just break it off, boom, and then you come back, and the quarterback leads you, uh, you know, to the sidelines. So you catch the ball, and you're either, if you're surrounded by cornerbacks and stuff like that, you know, you're probably going to just get your uh, your catch, and then you, you either get pushed out of bounds, but at least you're getting good yardage, and that's usually to get a first down. Um, but if you're if you run a good route, um, they're in the in the quarterback or the cornerbacks not or, uh, you know didn't catch that. Now you have around uh, the chance to do a catch and run. So it's a so if you can run comeback routes, it's it's a legit uh, weaponry as a receiver. So in that one, I made Champ look really stupid because he wasn't even even anywhere near on the film at all, and everybody's like kind of laughing and all that stuff and. Uh, we talked about it afterwards, man. He just, he said, dude, that was one heck of a route, uh, you know, and he gave me my respect. Um, and from that point, I started building a little bit of uh, rapport with the others. Uh, my practices were really coming together. I was doing some really good things as a receiver. I was working my way in. <clears throat> they had like a, um, what was he? I don't know what his role was, but he was part of the player personnel department. His name was Charlie Brown. He was a former player as well. People may rec remember him. I think I'm quite sure he's with the uh, Redskins too. Made a big name for himself, um, you know. And um, uh, so he 
pulled me into the office as the season was wrapping up. We had like one or two games left, and he pulled me into the office, sits me down. Now, this is him reaching out to me. He called me into his office, and he's like, look, I don't know what's happened uh, up, up until now with your other teams and all that stuff, but I can tell you right now, uh, you got some skills. You're going to be a really good receiver, and you're going to be a big part of this offense and this team moving forward. So I just want to just let you know that. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, we're going to go into the offseason. We're going to get some work in. And um, I'm really excited for what you're going to be able to bring to this team. And I'm just like, yeah. I, you know, at the time, I'm being cool. You know, I probably had my sunglasses on and, you know, you know, was kind of smoking a cigar or something like that at that time, too, to try to be all cool because, um, uh, you know, that's how you had to do it. And um, but so but in the inside, I was like, oh, my God. These are the words I've been listening, waiting for forever. Oh, I was like on cloud nine and just like, oh, it was great. So back to me and my luck. Uh, uh, North Turner gets fired. They bring in another coach. Um, uh, he doesn't make it. And then everybody got fired from because they brought in Marty Schottenheimer. Ooh. Ooh. I know he just passed away, and I'm not trying to sound disrespectful in that sake, but Marty Schartenheimer, ooh, ah, mm, he was with the Chiefs, and he was the worst, worst person ever, ooh, anyway, and then he came in, and, you know, and he tried, they, I don't know why they hired him as a head coach, dude was way, way past his prime, and uh, just a whole super overrated, and just this old school way of, uh, you know, coaching that just had nothing to do with the NFL at that time. And um, if I sound bitter, I, I'm, I'm really not. It's just my voice just carries, I guess, on, 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 on Tuesdays. Um, <laughs> but no, anyway, yeah, I wasn't very happy uh, when I heard that, uh, um, you know, Marty Schottenheimer was going to be brought in as a coach because I knew exactly what that was going to mean. And sure enough, I read in the paper, um, you know, they gave a breakdown. Marty Schottenhammer uh, comes in, makes his evaluations, and then each person who was on the roster that that, that year before, um, they had like a quick, uh, like a dispo on what's going to happen with them. Uh, will be resigned. Um, uh, will may make the team. Uh, will be invited to training camp or whatever. Uh, still has four years on contract or whatever. Um, and then, then you get by the ones who didn't have a chance, and that was me and several others, and it said, we'll not be back in bold lettering. And I was like, God dang it, I do it. So there you go. Um, that's how everything wrapped up with the NFL, man. I said, you know what? Uh, I'm done. I'm done. I come back home. I got my new house, um, you know, and um, living life back home. Because now I'm having parties and, you know, social gatherings and all that stuff. And they just 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 living it. And um, I had already made my mind up that, that yeah, no, I'm done. I'm not going to be tra traveling and trying to uh, start up my NFL career at another team. I'm done. And it, was, and it became time to, um, to devote my time and attention to being a police officer. You know, that's where I was working towards. Anyway, I had spent eight years, eight plus years in the NFL, um, did some things. It just didn't, didn't work out the way I would have hoped, obviously. Um, but uh, it was a great experience, and but it was time to move on. And um, so 
one of the things that, that was meaningful about this house, uh, not only because it was my first house and stuff like that, but it was very, definitely covered what I needed at that, that point because despite it all, um, you know, getting released and all that stuff, every time I came home, I walked in and I was just like immediately relieved and just, uh, just went back out because I'm like, look what I just did. This, I did this all by myself. I found this beautiful home all by myself. You know, I don't need the NFL. Forget those guys and stuff like that. This is my home. I can turn the music up as loud as I want now because I'm not living like in an apartment or whatever and I won't get in trouble for turning my music up loud. And I would do that. Boom! I'd have like gatherings and stuff like that. And as long as it wasn't too loud or too crazy and all that stuff, this is, this is the place. Uh, people were, you know, I was I still was holding on to my friends who I came, who I uh, played with. I'd still invite them over. It was, uh, uh, you know, I keep in contact with the, even the, the guys who were still with the team and stuff. They they wanted to come over and just kind of get a get a break from things. This was the haven, you know. It was the spot. It really was, um, you know. And then and it gave me the type of chance to kind of kind of like uh, reprocess things. Uh, kind of reprogram my brain and I didn't have any other really outside factors uh, to cause any really d true disruption, now I can start really, really turning things over and saying goodbye to the NFL and then embracing the police thing. Actually, I didn't know that becoming a cop was going to be that difficult. I mean, it was, it was almost as tough as making an NFL team, you know. I mean, um, you know, I started out with Fremont, tried to put in for Fremont police, Almost made it with those guys, but, uh, um, I, you know, I don't know. I said something boneheaded towards the last at the end, and, and then I got disqualified. Um, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal because the, Fremont had a bunch of budget cuts after that. I mean, shortly after that. So even if I had gotten hired, I would have gotten fired right away anyway. So, uh, but I, uh, then I tried Hayward. Um, I think I got disqualified from Hayward because I answered in a boneheaded way when they asked a simple question when it came to prioritizing uh, you know calls uh, for service and it was one where they asked like what do you do if you see somebody you're patrolling you see somebody throw a, a, a piece of paper out of their car like for littering and then at the same time um, you hear uh, or you see somebody arguing with another person up the road at that time, and then you, uh, around that exact same time, you the alert tone goes off and there's a shooting. What do you do? <laughs> and the simple answer is um, uh, very, very simple. I mean, I can answer it now, but at the time, uh, the, if you answer it now, um, well, you know, obviously you would, uh, you would keep, you would report uh, officers uh, that you just, or dispatch, hey, uh, uh, you may want to have a unit check on this, this, these two. I just saw them yelling at each other. Unknown if it's uh, anything major, but uh, maybe drive by. I'm going past. I'm going to the shooting call, and you you go to the shooting call. That's as, as simple as it gets. But my dumb butt says, well, I would have uh, I would have gone up to the guy who uh, threw out the trash can or the trash uh, piece of trash out and said, hey you need to stop and go back there and pick that up. 
the same time, I would have uh, uh, driven up to the two who were fighting, like, okay, you guys, you need to figure this out, okay, and just uh, go your separate ways or whatever. Uh, uh, you know, I would have dealt with them right quick on my way to um, the, the shooting call. I would have handled all that, like, at the same time is what I basically said. And they said, uh, they didn't say it at the time, but they gave me that look. And they're just like, yeah, this, this dude's a no. <laughs> so, you know, but you're a new cop. You don't know. You don't know exactly what you're supposed to be saying. You know, what do these guys want to hear? I mean, each one is different. I mean, I thought I'd change my answers according to what Fremont told me to say. And then that doesn't work for Hayward. And then, you know, once I got uh, eliminated for Hayward... Then I tried for Oakland, and then, you know, I didn't, you know, they didn't, definitely didn't like what they heard me say. You know, I was too passive, I guess, you know. Um, you know, in Oakland, in Oakland, there's so much going on, you got to be dialed in. And, um, you know, I guess my answers weren't as aggressive as it needed to be, so Oakland was a no. So, uh, you know, I'm quite depressed, obviously. I'm just, you know, because it was almost like a year plus that I've tried to find a, a home and I can't go. I can't g get, like, signed on by anybody. And so here I am, just got released from the NFL, and I'm I'm no longer in that one. And now I can't find a my second dream job and all that stuff. So I was getting down in the dumps. So this is where it gets all interesting. So I'm at the house. Um you know, just still kind of doing my own thing and all that stuff, just kind of chilling. Yeah, that's the perfect word. I was really, really just chilling, not really worrying about too much because I just, you know, there's only so much you can worry about. Um, and then anybody who spends time in the NFL and you survive those type of years, you just start getting uh, tough mentally and you just start figuring out ways just to make it through and just know, hey, look, that ain't that bad, you know, just you know, just keep fighting and it's going to all work out. So that was probably how I was. And that's probably one of the only real reasons why I was able to kind of stay focused and stay, um, you know, true to myself as far as like uh, not to give up. So so I'm just chilling at the house. Um, and then all of a sudden, I someone starts knocking on my door. You know, it's nighttime and um, it was my neighbor. I opened the door and he's like, Kenny, somebody just just smashed your car window. I'm just like, what? You know, yeah, they, they just ran by, smashed your uh, car window. They ran this way. I tried to follow them, but then they just disappeared. It was a group of them, and they just, they split up, and I, I'm just like, what? Oh, no. And I threw my shoes on, and, you know, I had no clue where I was even running to, but I just ran after where he said they went, and I'm running, and and I'm just, like, looking around, like, Thought that I was just like a like a stud, like oh I'll wait till I find these guys. But I had no clue who I was chasing after. I didn't know what they looked like. I didn't know where they went. <laughs> it was ridiculous. So once I realized that that number one, I don't have a coat on and it's freezing, um, and I have no clue where I'm at where I'm at right now actually because I was new, kind of new to the area and I'm just like I can't find these guys. So I go back to the house and um, you know. Uh, I see the neighbor again. He's just like, dude, I called the police. So I'm just like, really? And I look at them. My whole rear window of my um, my SUV was smashed in. I had this big old giant boulder in there. It's one of the boulders from my landscape landscaping. Um, was sitting in the back of my freaking uh, vehicle. I'm just like, who who freaking did this? I didn't think I had any enemies or anything like that. I mean, was it a Chiefs fan? Was it a 
you know, Niners fan or something who, you know, want to try to strike back at me for all the stuff that I'd be talking about <laughs> with those guys or something. I don't know. So I'm sitting there and then the cops come. There's this awesome, awesome dude who is a, who's, he still is, San Leandro police officer, very tall, uh, just a, just a perfect looking police officer, in my opinion. He pulls up in his car. It's like, uh, sir, is everything, or, um, you know, I, I, we, we call here a report of a vandalism. Are you okay? And I'm just like, well, I'm okay, but look at my car. He's like, whoa, wow, man, they did destroy that. And like, any, any idea? He gets out, he looks at the damage, he puts out on the radio. I'm watching this guy just kind of operate. He was so poised and so professional. You know, I mean, he did everything he could to get all the information from me. I didn't have anything. And he got more information about the, the kids um, from my uh, neighbor and just, just, a, just a really, really polished police officer. Um, and, you know, so, but he did the best he could. I did the best I could to try to find him. My neighbor did the best he could. And so what we all kind of came up with is this like, hey, let's, you know, there's only so much we could do tonight. Uh, maybe, maybe if we hear more, I will give you guys a call, um, you know, to report it and all that stuff. And, and the officer said, okay, well, I will patrol check the area. I'm working a night shift and all that stuff. And, um, you know, so, but just know I'll be around. And I was just like, all right, thanks officer. He, he drives off. Um, and that was it. I go back home or go back inside and I kind of like fall asleep for the night and everything. Next day, I get up and I'm kind of cleaning up the um, I'm kind of cleaning up the uh, glass and all that stuff. And then another police officer comes. It's a different one. Um, and he comes in and he's like, hey, uh, we heard about what happened. I want to do a follow up with you. Uh, is there any further information? So he he. I had heard that it was a, a friend of a neighbor and they had gotten into an argument with the neighbor and then um, this decided just to smash something on their way out of the uh, out of the block or whatever. And it happened to be my car. It was nothing, nothing personal, but they just were just like, you know, honorary kids who were mad and trying to show off. So they smashed my car. You know, and so I told that officer that and he's like, oh, wow, OK, all right. And, you know, he's like, I'm going to follow up with the neighbor and all that stuff. Just a, again, another another strong, powerful and um, very respectful um, uh, officer. Um, when I say powerful, I mean like confident, uh, not like anything else. But there was just that's what I associated that with. They were just very, very confident, very clear and um straightforward police officers who were seemed like they were very focused on their job you know to me that's a powerful uh way to be you know um and so that's that's what i attributed that to and i was impressed i was i can definitely say that i was impressed by how these slpd officers were handling themselves and stuff so uh, he goes and i think he makes contact with the um the uh, neighbor comes back, says he find found out a little bit more information. Can I come in? I want to take a more detailed statement from you. All these different things. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is a lot. But uh, you know, I mean, I got insurance. It's going to be okay. But you know, okay, yeah, come on in. And so he he does takes a full statement, and then um, you know, do you want to press charges type stuff? And I'm just like, ah, man, I don't know about all that stuff. But he's like, well. Um, uh, this is just how we do it. We investigate all crimes and all that stuff and stuff. So once that was done, he wraps up and then he goes and he um, 
and he uh, leaves. And then I get a phone call from the detective. So the report gets forwarded to the detective. The detective calls me. The detective says, hey, I did some more investigation into your into the situation. It sounds like we have the person who did it identified. And um, this is his name. He lives around the corner or whatever. And he's part of whatever gang and all that stuff. And just, uh, you know, I mean, he's a He's one of those wannabe gang members and stuff like that. And I was just like, man, freaking San Leandro is legit. These guys are on it. All this was like like within days. They had already had the guy identified. Um, it sounds me it sounded to me like they were like gonna be focused on kind of like going and making contact with the guy and trying to hold him responsible or accountable for what he did. And um, I was standing back watching the show. I was like, okay, yeah, all right, cool. Uh, just keep me posted. So um, I get another phone call uh, a little bit later saying, hey, we went to go try to talk to the guy and it, um, at his house. And it turns out that he's, uh, he's, his mom made him go stay with his grandma or grandparents out in, um, in a, one of the city. I'm not, I don't want to say the name, but, um, you know, it's about an hour away. So we're ha we, you know, the parents had him go stay with the grandparents out there. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, just to kind of let things die off and all that stuff. I'm like, okay, well, cool. That, that works for me. You know, I mean, he's a kid. I'm not really, you know, I mean, I mean, I was a kid too and all that stuff. I, I'm quite sure I might've, uh, thrown a rock trying to play a game at, and throw a rock at one of my friends or whatever. And it sailed over his head and smashed somebody's window. I'm sure that's what happened. I mean, 100%, you know, I mean, I was a kid too, so I kind of understood it. Uh, the problem comes when... Uh, unfortunately, uh, this is how you know how life is full of twists and stuff that you don't see coming. Unfortunately for the kid, um, while he was in that city um, staying with his grandparents, he got into it with some other gang members out there in that city and he got shot and killed. So, ow, man, I didn't even, I don't even know what to say to that. I was, I mean, that's, I still think about that and I feel so so bad for the kid, um, you know. But um, at the same time, I mean, this is the life that the, that the, that the kid chose to do and, and take. You know, it starts off, I can't even tell you how many times, uh, and, you know, and that's down the road, but I can't tell you how many times as a police officer that I would see a kid who started out stealing and then you you take him into custody for that and then next thing you know, you. You go to another call and now this guy's in a fight with with another gang member or or punch somebody and stuff. Then you take him to jail for that one. Like, dude, what are you doing? Next thing you know, he's in he's in jail for um, um, you know armed robbery where he shot somebody. So you know now he's in freaking um, San Quentin because now he's not a kid anymore. Now he's an adult and he's gone because of and this is where they started. So um, I, that's what I kind of think happened with this. This kid, I mean, um, unfortunately, he wasn't able to uh, turn things around soon enough, and um, that's what ended up happening. So, uh, but, uh, you know, in reality, I was so impressed by everything, um, you know, that, that uh, San Leandro PD was able to do that I ended up uh, calling the, the officers who, um, who came out and took the report and saying, dude, can I do a ride along with you? I did a ride along with them and showed me the city, and the city actually reminds me of where I grew up. I'm just like, this can't get any better. I don't know how I did not 
think of this in the, uh, before. I'm just like, freaking, I love this place. You know, I love the city. I love the name, powerful name. You know, people who know me, I, 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 I love strong sounding people. I love strong sounding names. I love people who are very confident in what they're doing and how to do it and all that stuff. And the name San Leandro, just, I don't know. It just, there's, it's a very unique name and there's something about it just sounds straight, like it's very strong name. So I, I fell in love with the place and then, um, you know, fell in love with the police department. Um, after the ride along, I'm just like, I have to get on with this, with this uh, department. So um, those officers were able to help me uh, you know, you know, apply. Uh, they they helped prep me for my written test, which I did a good job. I, you know, did the uh, physical, uh, you know, which uh, you know was a, a great challenge and all that stuff because it's not like it's easy. You just you, you have to run two miles and then you got to do an obstacle course. You got to carry this dummy, this almost 100 pounds, a certain distance, and then you got to get back up and run up these stairs and come back down and end it with a jump over a six to seven foot, you know, um, banister or whatever that's supposed to be like you're going over a wall and, and then, you know, in a certain time. So, you know, everything was, was, was challenging, you know, then you have whatever interview, that's challenging. Um, but I was so focused at that time that I was just like, no, nah, I don't care. I'm, 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 I'm making this happen. And then, um, so I became a San Leandro police officer and, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a fun, fun thing, you know, I mean, as soon as I got that badge and um, going out there on my own, I was able to live my dream and, um, you know, everything about it was, was, was really cool. But you guys got to have to, guys have to understand that uh, this was back in like 2000, in the early 2000s, man. I mean, things were different back then, 100% uh, different than they are now. I remember, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm old school. Uh, I was taught the old school ways of dealing with suspects and, you know, people who tried to challenge the police. You know, I mean, you know, you gave them their chances, but if, if they were continually being a knucklehead, you literally had to enforce the law, which whatever meant, whatever that meant, you had to take care of business and stuff. So, so you had to really kind of uh, find your style. Uh, for me, you know, I, I, I had... Um, I kind of was a well-rounded, and I wanted to be a well-rounded uh, police officer. My uh, uh, primary trainer, uh, FTO, uh, really kind of pushed for me to be well-rounded. But one of the one of the things that I really kind of took a, a specialty to was uh, dealing with the disturbances, um, uh, especially uh, you know domestic violence type situations. Um, to me, uh, domestic violence situations were always ones where you kind of had a green, a green light to kind of take care of business, and um, despite how the suspect was acting, you you kind of had the the ability to kind of uh, use whatever force necessary to uh, make the arrest because uh, you know California is really, really, really hard on, on domestic violence, um, which is how it sh how it should be. Um, but at the same time, you know, I mean, you need the, the, the courts need the cooperation of the victim. Otherwise, the case usually goes, goes, goes south. Um, but for those, and me knowing that, uh, I would always handle those calls with, uh, with a super sense of importance uh, at that time because uh, we needed to, 
in my eyes, we needed to make sure that the victim had a, some small sense of uh, justice. So I remember going to a call once where the uh, nine, couple 911 calls were from this uh, residence. We get there, um, there's this girl who's very quiet and then her boyfriend is in the background like talking trash. What the heck you guys doing here, man? Nobody called 911. Well, we got a 911 call coming from here. It doesn't matter, man. You you can't come in my house. I'm just like, well, we kind of have to make sure that she's okay, um, you know, and you guys are okay. Well, you can't come in my house, man. You look at her. She's fine, you know. Ain't you right? Ain't you fine, babe? And I'm just, I'm just, she's, like, terrified. I'm just like, sir, yeah, I get it. Okay, we still have to come and make sure. Can you just unlock the door? Let us come in. We'll just, we'll... we'll take care of business, you know, make sure everything's all right and we'll get out of here. No, F you, you can't come in here, man. I'm it just, just a loud mouth. I was there for like 20 minutes. Almost, it was almost like a, my partner felt like we were there too long too. I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, from the beginning, those are calls that really uh, sunk with me. I felt that there was more we should and could be doing for these uh, victims and stuff. So. You know, I was the primary, and I made the decision, regardless if that officer was felt that we had overstayed our welcome and it was time to leave, I just, no, we're not leaving. So, um, you know, just keep an eye on him. I'm going to keep talking to her. So I would, I would kind of move her over a little bit further to the right side of the door while Loudmouth was over there on the left side of the door kind of talking to my partner. And I was really just kind of reassuring her with soft words, like, hey, it's going to be okay. I, I, we're not here to make problems or make the situation worse. We just have to make sure you're okay. You know, I'm just like, can you just, can you just uh, lock the door and just, you know, invite us in? We'll just, you know. And as I was doing that, I was able to see in better light that she had a black eye. So, uh, and her, her and her eye was swollen. So that really gave us the probable cause to, that we needed to really kind of push this. And I knew that. So, um, and I didn't really have time to tell my partner that and all that stuff. Like, hey, pipe down over there. We're not leaving. We're, we're staying here um, however long it takes. So uh, finally, after, like I said, about 30 minutes and stuff, the, the, the victim uh, uh, felt comfortable and she took a deep breath and said, okay, I'll unlock the door. Um, and then so she unlocks the door. We, as soon as she did that, we're inside the house. She said, come on in, we're inside the house. He's like, hey, you can't get in. And we're like, get on the ground. Boom, boom, the fight's on. He tries to resist and stuff. And he, he might've got an arm twisted here and there, but it was a what they call arm bar, the proper way to use uh, force to uh, uh, you know, affect the arrest is what we utilize. But he didn't think that that was right, regardless and all that stuff. Then he started screaming like a baby, you know. And then so obviously uh, he got handcuffed and uh, taken to jail. And the whole time he's all distraught and all that stuff. And, you know, uh, for that short moment, which I'm quite sure that the and she even told us, she's like, I, I and I already knew it, too, because she was already calling the jail to see how much his bail was going to be and all that stuff. So you already really kind of knew that um, that things were going to work out and they were going to talk things out and he was going to be able to come back and all that stuff. But for what I did was uh, I felt it was our job as police officers to uh, do what we had to do. And we were given the green light and the authority to do so um, with, the, with the blessing of the state. So 
Um, no, I wasn't going to leave there until that, that dude was in handcuffs. And um, I, was, I was able to uh, take it full circle. And the dude went to jail. And, um, you, know, you know, so I also, you know, there was this other call where I went to. I'm not going to say the name of the officer, but um, they, most officers know what it's like. Um, and they feel empathy for the victim, you know, and on this particular call, um, same thing, domestic violence. Um, uh, the girl who had gotten, who was the victim, had uh, flagged down the officer, and she got lit up pretty good. Um, and so he, the officer asked for cover units and stuff. Um, the one, I think, officer or uh, stuck with the victim, maybe even taken, you know, assisted her by taking her to the hospital while. Um, the primary officer put put plans together to go make contact with the suspect, and um, those things are they hurt your heart. To be honest with you, you see this this innocent victim. Um, that nothing could could make it to where could justify that type of uh, those type of injuries to. Uh, uh, in this case, she was a female. Any type of victim, anyway, you know, um, and and it just it just breaks your heart. And I was so happy that this officer, I have a lot of respect for this officer anyway, he's one of those well-rounded police officers too. He could, uh, you know, track down guns left and right from vehicles, stolen cars, all these different things. And he can uh, resolve a, 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 a group fight just because of his, uh, his funny nature, but it's funny in a way that's very direct as well. And people just love him. Even those criminals out there just love him. Like, dude, okay, all right, we'll back off. We'll leave. Yeah, we're, we'll leave. And then he resolved the situation just through his words and stuff. So he, this guy was legit police officer. I, yeah, I can, was definitely high on his, uh, his uh, abilities out there. And um, in this particular case, he made his decision that uh, he wasn't going to leave without the suspect going to jail too. Um, so we go to the house. It was actually a trailer. We go to the trailer, and um, he has units, you know, stationed, or, you know, positioned around the trailer. And <laughs> we could see the guy. All lights are off in the trailer. We could see the guy um, snoring and hear him see and hear him snoring on the on the couch. You know, because she she had said that he had you know done meth or drunk a bunch of alcohol, and so he was he was toasted. And he was like sprawled out on the on the couch and just, uh, you know, we knock on the door. He's he's out and we're banging on the door. He's out. He literally is not waking up or anything like that. Um, but you can hear him snoring. Finally, we uh, you know, I mean, we, we keep knocking. He's like, what Who is it? It's the police. Open the door. F you guys, man. I'm not opening nothing. <laughs> and. Um, you know, true to form, like I said, some there's you can get away with some things back in the days that you can't def definitely get away with now. But uh, that officer, who's uh, as sharp as they come, found the open window and there was this broom. <laughs> he picks up the broom, starts just kind of not whacking him hard, but just enough to where it's bugging the heck out of this dude on the couch. He's like, open that door. Open the door. It was hitting him around his ears and stuff. The dude swatting the broom away. He's like, leave me alone. He's like, open the door. Open that door. No, I'm not opening the door. 
dude, open that door. Wop, wop. He's like, leave me alone. He stood up. He was so irritated and just kind of mad that he rolled off the couch and he's just like, now he's on the floor. And he's go and he like goes back to trying to sleep again. And then um, uh, uh, the officer was able to find like this little bench that gave him a little bit more room to stand on. And now he can reach in there. And now he can get him on the floor too. Open that door. Open the door. Whack whack. And it's not hurting him. It's just super irritating. He's like, open that door for five ten minutes. He's like, you open that door now. Open the door. It's like. Dude, leave me alone. Why are you guys doing this? Leave me alone. I just want to sleep. No, open the door. Another five minutes goes by. And this dude's like, okay, okay. And he rolls over, rolls over, rolls over. Reaches up and unlocks the door. He's like, man, come on in. We go in. Handcuff him. Click, click. He goes to jail. And full circle, baby. You know, um, you know that's what it, that's that's the the great part about being a police officer is that um you had the ability to to um save someone's life change someone's life um and um affect someone's life in a positive way uh you guys won't believe this but i i saved four lives as a police officer you know uh you know one time i um i, I there was a lady who uh, you know, com tried to commit suicide, uh, you know, did her car, just uh, ran her car over the barriers and into the marina and, um, you know, tried to kill herself. And but so she's wading out into the water and I go out there. I'm the first unseen and I get her to stop wading further away um, out into the deep. And I said, no, listen to me, lock into my voice. OK. Um, and she did. And she's after a while, it took a minute, you know, there's bystanders around. And I, I said, don't, I mean, tune out everything, any noise, everything. Just focus on my voice, okay? She's like, okay, okay. I'm like, that water's cold. Can you please come back towards me and let's just talk about everything? And she fought me for a minute, but then she realized, uh, you know, because I kept coming at me, no, seriously, I, you know, I'm there for you. Those are, again, those, those strong and very direct but soft words are what she locked in on. And I was, it's just skills that you learn from some of the other officers around you who are senior to you, the ones you respect. You just pick up all the good, positive things from them. And, I get, and that's one thing I picked up. And I was able to get this girl uh, to focus on, on me, and she, she swam all the way in. Um, and got out of harm's way because if she had kept going, that that tie was going to take her out there, and she just wasn't going to make it. So uh, I get her back to the uh, shore, and by that time, the other officers had uh, arrived on scene, and I just kind of like stepped back because uh, you know, and they they helped her um, get out of the water, and um, you know, by then the ambulance was there and all that stuff. So uh, you know, I went back to what I was doing, which was I was having my lunch. Um, you know, and that's, I didn't need anything out of it. Uh, it that's just how, how it works being a police officer. There was another time I was actually on my lunch too. And I was, um, at a, what this, uh, restaurant called Harry's Hofbrau. And I just happened to be there and we get a call of, a uh, a, a medical call of a guy who's, uh, 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 you know, checking on his welfare because he's, he, he called 911 saying he's having problem breathing. So I go there, and he was, and um, I made contact with him, and I talked to him. Um, he was actually having a heart attack. So um, 
the, the fire department gave me credit because they said I was able to um, talk them through, keep them calm, um, and, and kind of help them get in a more comfortable position inside the car until they got there because the dude was having a heart attack. And, um, you know, I helped, I helped keep him focused so he didn't go into shock. And, um, you know, it was, it was, re it was rewarding. Um, you know, then another time uh, I helped pull a guy out of a car that was catching on fire. And then on, on another one, there was one where me, where I get, I'm the first unseen of a shooting. Um, there was three victims in the car uh, who had gotten shot and killed, um, young, three, three youngsters. And, um, but there was two other uh, people who had gotten shot, kids who had gotten shot, but they were um, located underneath the ones who had gotten killed. So they were getting squished. One got shot in the lungs and she couldn't breathe. Uh, so uh, we were able to, when the, one of the firemen uh, got there and we were able to both get her out, go, get those two victims um, out of the car on the ground. Um, and I was able to get her in a position to keep her from going into shock while the firemen um, made a, 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 a bandage to where they were able to uh, assist her where the bullet wound went in and out of her lungs so she could breathe. So uh, we, we found out later that she, was, uh, she had a collapsed lung and sh that she couldn't breathe. And then if she, if she had stayed in that car much longer, she was going to, she was going to suffocate. So, you know, it, yeah. Do I sound a little bit emotional? One hundred percent. I mean, these things are, uh, you know, it comes with the with with the job. You see some stuff that that just is not normal, not natural, and um, you know, I mean, I think police officers are unfairly uh, uh, typecast as villains, and um, ninety ninety to ninety five percent of them are like saints. Uh, sent from the heavens to help society make it because without them the society would have burned down a long time ago so police officers they 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 they're highly trained uh highly skilled and they're confident in what they're doing and um you know and and so i just follow my training when it came to these when it came to these incidents and stuff like that so I have a lot of fond memories of being a police officer. I've met a lot of good uh, uh, fellow officers and stuff to, to this date. Um, the officer who responded for the vandalism call is still one of my best friends. Um, I talk to him still to this day. <clears throat> and he's going to continue being, uh, finishing out his career. He has other things going on too, but he's, a, he's the, the model uh, police officer. Um, who just kind of just does his own thing, does his style, and he, but he's very confident in his skills. So, um, you know, I have a lot of good, good memories. So when I just got the mentioning that I, I saved four lives, um, there's another story I want to share before I wrap this episode up, um, that I helped save another person's life in a different way. So you have to, you have to picture this, right? So... Um, I'm from Davenport, Iowa. Uh, Davenport is, uh, it's, it's about the same size as San Leandro. It's 120,000 um, people. Uh, you know, San Leandro is bigger than 90-something thousand, like they say. I don't know why they keep it at that, but it, 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 it's definitely bigger than that. But uh, it's about the same population as Davenport. Um, 
And um, but there's pockets of Davenport that are that are really really bad, um, just like any other city and all that stuff. Um, so, but it's just a lot of times you know you have uh, people in high school who just haven't learned to to be responsible and they're living off the streets and stuff, and then they get drunk and then they act a fool and all that stuff. That's that's where the way it's going to be as well. Um, and it's just they're ones who. Probably started uh, being incorrigible kids in, in middle school or, or whatever, and they just never had some type of mentor to pull them aside and, and kind of straighten them out, you know. So in this particular case, there was a group of young kids um, who, would all, who were middle school age, and they would always go to uh, the Bayfair Mall in San Leandro, um, and they would cause problems. That was right during the time when I said, you know what, I want the Bayfair Mall uh, because I felt like I wanted to help make some changes and stuff and run that bad vibe out of there, man. It was trying to, uh, you know, it was it was turning into like the New Jack City of, uh, of the, the Carter of uh, San Leandro, man. It was really, really bad. You had these... You had these really bad groups, and I'm not typecasting anybody, but but you can picture whatever type of group I'm talking about or whatever, just loud mouths and stuff coming in, drunk, acting a fool, you know, with the with the that gang vibe and all that stuff, trying to run things. And it was going on for so long that they really were taking over the place, and the, the vendors there were suffering badly because of it. I said, you know what? I've, I've never really been the type of person who, uh, you know, uh, dismisses a challenge, and I said... Let me do the mall. I'll do it. I go in there, and I, so I signed up to do the mall. I go out there, and I took it personally. I I, I really did. So, um, you know, but anytime I'd have one like type of element uh, calm down and all that stuff, then I turn around. Now there's another group of freaking people acting a fool, either spray painting the mall or doing all kinds of stuff that's just so ridiculous. It's not even giving the mall a chance to recover from um, all the other days that it was damaged through a, like a big old riot or something like that. And so I was getting mad at that stuff. So um, I'm the officer, I'm the only, uh, you know, uh, sworn police officer who's assigned to the mall. So uh, my work day consisted of uh, being posted up inside the mall or I'd drive around if there was a theft or there was any type of uh, uh, disturbance or something like that, they would call me or I'd have a radio linked to the mall security. So we worked hand in hand. They would call me. The, your call sign was 4041. And um, as soon as that radio, as soon as I showed up on duty, I would always turn it on. Yes, yeah, 4041 working. We got a guy, a suspicious person doing this. I'm so, oh my God, already? I haven't even had my coffee yet. Oh, okay, let me go. So um, and this, so for a while there, we were getting, I was getting these calls where they would call, hey, uh, 4041, that group of freaking juveniles is back again. Um, they're over in the food court now and they're, they're bothering customers and then they're just acting f stupid. So uh, I said, okay, all right, meet me over there. So I get my car, drive around to the food court and there they were. Uh, it, was, it was like six or seven of them. Um, There's this tall kid. And there's a reason why I'm singling him out, because you'll see what I'm talking about. So there was this tall kid. I didn't know his name at the time, but there was something very striking about this kid. I mean, uh, he had these 
awesome dreads. Um, I, maybe maybe I don't have any hair, so it's just kind of like so. I see this, I'm just like, man, that's some cool hair, man. <laughs> you know, but some other people don't like dreads and stuff like that. But for whatever reason, it made him stand out. It looked tough. It looked cool. And you can just tell he had this look of confidence about him anyway, and, and the other ones were not as tall as him, so he definitely stood out. So when I started going through these type of calls, and it was always the same group, I would always, my eyes would always fixate on him, because it was like they were doing all the disturbances and acting a fool while he was standing in the background, kind of watching and just kind of like reveling in, 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 in what they were doing. I was like, wait a minute, this guy's a freaking leader. Every time that there was a call, it didn't matter. Uh, we'd go some some days. I'd go and you know they'd see me and then they just like okay let's go let's go and they'd take off running just like little kids or whatever and all that stuff. And then I'd get called the next day. Hey, that same group. They're now now two of them are inside the store of Macy's or whatever and they're stealing stuff. I go there and then I'd watch them. Uh, you know, one would go running in and then the, then they'd run out and then they'd stage the stuff on the outside walls and then they'd go back in and all that stuff. And then, um, you know, and I'm watching them do this and then they didn't know me. They didn't know I was there. And, uh, you know, and then I could hear the security was like, yeah, I got the other two over here. And then the leaders on that side over there. But I'm but so basically he's on the other side of, of where all this is taking place, which I'm sure the kid he told these guys to do it. So, and they're doing it, no questions asked. Their leader said, go steal some stuff, so that's what they're doing. So I'm watching these guys loading these, these um, store wall, or the, the floor by the store up. And then I go over there, what are you guys doing? Oh shoot, oh shit, let's go. And then they take off running and all that stuff. Problem solved, uh, I'm not gonna chase after them, all that stuff, because they're being kids and stuff like that. But the, the, the situation was resolved because all I did was just grab the clothes and then take them back to Macy's and those those guys that's all they wanted anyway and then the kids were gone and so but they were really really terrorizing this place so the next day we go um I, I get a call uh, I show up at the mall actually and 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 and, and I see that um they had um they just kept them renovating the mall and it looked really nice walls were uh, freshly painted they had like new planters like for landscaping type stuff and decor and I go in and I, I walk in, I'm like, what happened? And there's like dirt all over the place, all the plants, a lot of the plants got turned over and shredded and thrown and all that stuff. And it just looked like a mess down this one hallway of the mall. I'm just like, what happened? He's like, our group again. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. Um, they were terrorizing some people and all that stuff. And we came and tried to get them to leave and they started acting a fool and, and breaking stuff and throwing stuff at us. And this is what, that's what they did. They were throwing plants over at them and smashing those things. And I was like, this has got to stop. I'm like, well, where are they now? I was like, well, they took off running. And, um, you know, I'm just like, oh man, when you guys see them, you need to call me right away before you even go to them, call me. All right, and then so we came up with our plan. So um, later that day, I'm posted up and everything. I'm waiting for the call. Sure enough, here it comes over the radio. 4041, 41, go ahead. Yeah, they're back. They're on the opposite side of the mall now over by the theater and they're throwing rocks at the, um, at the security people. And I'm just like, okay, all right, I'm gonna be right there. So I drive around. I can see them from a distance. I'm, I'm not uh, really on scene just yet, but I can see them. And it's like their group, it's like five, six of them, um, you know, and then uh, 
But just as I get close, the whole thing kind of resolved itself anyway. I guess the kids had gotten tired. So they were already walking off the property anyway. So this time I said, I'm going to do something different. So I kept my eyes on the tall one, right? Um, the tall one with the dreads. I already know he's the leader. And I'm just going to watch him for a little bit, see what happens. So, um, um, you know, I follow them, kind of creep in my car. I follow them on the, as they kind of uh, say their goodbyes. Uh, two of them were on bikes and a couple of them were on bikes, I guess. And so they, and a couple on skateboards or whatever. So after they were done, done, they, they hugged, gave dap or whatever. Then two went that way. The other one went this way. And then um, my, my leader guy found a, uh, you know, went over to where a bike was. Um, that was stashed and stuff like that. And then he gets on the bike and he starts uh, riding off. So I'm just like, hmm, all right. Let me, let me see what's, what's happening here. So he doesn't see me the whole time. I'm, be, I'm behind him the whole time. So he leaves, he, bike, he rides his bike off the property. He passes all the businesses and stuff like that. And then he goes down this one uh, uh, residential road. Um, it's kind of a far, far bike ride away from the mall. Um, so, and then still, I'm still behind him and he doesn't, he's none the wiser. He pulls down this one like little side street down this other neighborhood that I'm familiar with and all that stuff. Um, he gets to this, uh, little condo and then he puts his bike up and then, and I'm still watching him. He has no clue. So he puts his bike up and he starts to go in up the stairs to go up to the house, but then he stops. He changes his shirt to a collared shirt, puts that on. He has his glasses, he puts his glasses on, and he fixes his hair uh, differently. And then he's like, and he goes inside the house. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? And then you can kind of see, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, privacy laws prevents me from kind of doing too much after that, other than, um, you know, I can just hear him talking to someone who turned out to be his mom. I'm like, what the heck? And it was like his voice was different. He was happy sounding and just uh, that thuggish sound in his voice had suddenly disappeared. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I waited a little bit. And then, um, you know, about five minutes later, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm about to fix this. So I go and I knock on the door. And uh, it's him. He opens the door. He's like, oh, hi, officer. I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, uh, I'm good. How is everything okay? I'm like, yeah. Um, is your mom home? And he looks, and, he's, and he knew I already knew. And he's like, uh, yeah, she's in the room. She's in the kitchen cooking. I'm just like, oh yeah. Can you, can you have her come out here right quick? I'm just, and he's like, uh, okay, mom. Uh, there's a police officer out here to talk to you. She's like, okay. And she comes around, and you could just tell she's like has all the makings of this of this hardworking mom, you know, uh, with this, just this beautiful aura about herself and this sincere look when she saw me, she looked su super like concerned, like, hey, officer, what's going on? I'm just like, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? I know you're doing dinner. I'm not trying to keep you, but I have to tell you a little bit about your son's activities. And she's just like, what do you mean? And I'm just like, um, here's what I've been seeing. Um, he goes to the mall, he does this and this and this. And I want to give him credit because it's not like he's a follower or anything like that. He is truly the leader of this group. The only problem is that this is what 
he's telling this group of people to do, and this is what they're doing, and he's right in the mix, so he's just as uh, culpable as everybody else. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, the other day, this, the, they just destroyed these, uh, the decor that comes with, uh, you know, that they have in the mall, threw plants all over the place, smashed all these different things and all these decorations and stuff, pulled them down, and she's like, you're kidding me. I'm just like, no, I... Shoot, I took pictures. I can show you pictures if you want. She said, no, no, that's not necessary. And like, then there's also times when he'll tell his people, his kids or his minions to go in there and um, freaking steal for him. And she looked at him. Are you kidding me? Is this what's going on? And he just put his head down like he was about to start crying. And she's just like, um, officer, I want to say thank you for what you did. And I was like, no problem, ma'am. I just didn't think you knew. And I wanted, I felt you would want to know, you know, I mean, like I said, he's, he's showing a lot of leadership skills and that's great. Um, and she's just like, um, I'm like, do you want to come out to the mall one day or and help, you know, go talk to the, want me to give you the number to the uh, mall security? You can talk to them too. She's like, no, it won't, you, that's unnecessary. This will not be a problem. I can promise you that one, 100%. I'm like, okay, so um, I'm good here. She's like, you're good. You have a great day, rest of your day, officer. I really appreciate you coming. And she shook my hand and she walked out. <laughs> she walked me out. And then, then <laughs> it's so funny. I can picture the look in his face. Oh, I look back and then when she closed the door, she had the look of pure evil when she turned around back at her son. <laughs> he put his head down and he just knew it. Woo! I, 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 wrote, I drove out of there like so happy. I knew that the situation was going to be taken care of one bit. That's the last thing that, that needed to be presented to, the, to the, the hardworking mom. She was a single mom trying to raise this kid who was uh, in that honorary stage. And guess what happened? Um, I never saw that kid at the mall ever again. Um, mom took care of business immediately. Um, from that point on, I wasn't seeing him at the mall. I would go, I'd drive by the school and he started going to after school uh, programs. You could see him on the, uh, the school playground of the, he was just in uh, middle school at the time. You could see he was uh, either, either taking part whatever activities that they had after school. A lot of the times he would be uh, you know, playing basketball with some of the other uh, kids who were doing it after school and one a couple different times I'd drive by, he'd look at me and he'd wave and, you know, then go back to hitting that three-pointer or whatever. It was, it was something, something so unreal beautiful that I, 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 it was such a beautiful thing on so many different levels and, um, and the story actually gets ten times better. So, he goes on to high school uh, and uh, still again, he, he you know, uh, does all kinds of good things and stuff and I don't ever hear from him anymore. I, I see him walking from school and there's Bill, there would be a fight or a large gathering. He's walking the other way, totally separate himself. He has his backpack on his back and he's heading home and you could just, he looks completely different. So fast forward four to three four years after getting out of uh, high school he he just 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 disappears um i never knew what happened to this this kid i just knew that he had turned his life around and um lo and behold i google um 
you know, because I, obviously I keep up with the Raiders and all that stuff and the new uh, uh, team that they're bringing in for the training camp and all that stuff. And a while back, I Googled um, who's on the team and all that stuff. And I almost fell out of my freaking seat when I saw the name Lenny Jones. It was my guy. He had gotten, he had turned things around completely to where he had gone to the University of Nevada, uh, uh, built up a name uh, for himself, got invited to uh, the 49ers uh, training camp. Uh, he didn't quite make that, but then he got picked up by the Raiders. Uh, I think he hung with the Raiders for a little bit. And then, um, you know, then he got signed by the Rams. And then the Cowboys is where he really, really uh, uh, blew up. And I'm looking at the picture of this guy and the, the growth. He looks, he looks like a freaking seasoned veteran, like a real, real man of like he had, he had filled out tremendously before when I dealt with him. Uh, in junior high, he was this tall, stick, uh, really skinny, uh, but he was tall. Now this dude had filled out to where he was the size of some of the linebackers and the defensive ends that I was facing back when I played. And he had this look of pure uh, inspired football and just drive as if he was like so locked in. Uh, uh, it was on a whole nother level. And then he went on to go play, the Brown, play for the Browns. And I've, from my um, research, he's, he's currently um, uh, in Canada for the couple of Canada teams and stuff, still playing ball since back in the 2016. He's still out there balling in the pro level. <laughs> Just like, wait, what? It was, it was fantastic. Mr. Lenny Jones, I can say his name now because uh, he had completely turned his life around. Um, in a in an ultra positive way, and um, and I'm quite sure that that he hugs his mom's neck uh, daily because of it because she 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 dug deep, and then um, she said, "No, son, you're not going to be going down that road. You're not going to be one of these homeless people who's caught up on drugs, who's out there doing bad bad things. That stuff stops now." And um, you know when people ask me. Uh, what my days were like as being a police officer, man, I, yeah, obviously I was in my chases and all that stuff. I was in my, my fights and, um, you know, did my investigations. I ended up um, be, becoming a, a, a detective, a, a CID detective, um, and I was, my desk was specialized in handling DV cases and uh, abuse, all that stuff. Um, and I was, uh, I took that on with, 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 with the passion that I carried on as my, from my first day as a police officer and all that stuff. So I have some fond, fond memories of, of being a police officer. And so uh, do, I, do I encourage uh, the, the youth to still go out there? 100%. I'm going to keep saying that because uh, it takes a very, very special person to be a police officer. Um, and it's very disheartening when you hear in the news uh, the other day, it sounds like um, the parents of uh, Gabby Petito, I believe is this how you say her last name, are going to be suing the Utah Police Department that handled the case uh, where they looked into the allegations of domestic violence that took place between her and that boyfriend. Um, uh, sounds like her parents are going to be suing the police officers and, you know, uh, I don't, I, you know, it, that's a tough one. Um, 
it comes with the job, and I know the police officers know that, um, but they should also know that they did not do anything wrong, and they did, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion too, if you read the comments, they did pretty much everything that they were trained to do and everything they could have done in that type of situation. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just, that's just the way it works as a police officer. Um, and I think uh, a lot of them accept that. And uh, hopefully they don't get discouraged and they know that as long as you follow your training uh, and, and your policies and all that stuff, that you're going to be covered and you're going to be supported in the end because uh, you did your job. You did your job. And, um, you know, so that's one thing I do miss about being a police officer right there is being able to be there and um, uh, at, at, at a moment's notice, I guess, when people need you and having the mindset of, hey, I don't care how long it takes, we're going to resolve this situation in the best way possible. Um, I'm not, if, if I don't need to take anybody to jail, I won't. But if someone has done something that definitely deserves going to jail, I ain't leaving until that happens. And um, that's that pride of that San Leandro police officer that came out of me. I, I was trained very, very well. Um, I have a lot of respect for uh, police officers, definitely San Leandro police officers, uh, obviously. Um, and so that's a, that's a great, important part of my life. And it all started with that, that, that ghost house that I bought. <laughs> If it wasn't for my ghost house, I wouldn't even have been in San Leandro and I would have never, um, you know, if, if the ghost would have spoken to me, nah, man, you got to go. And then I'd had to leave. Then I wouldn't have been a San Leandro police officer. But but uh, when we made our uh, verbal agreement, they let me stay. And it turned out to be a fantastic experience. K-Shed, uncuffed. Man, you know, I love sharing. Um, all the different things that has gone on, and I haven't even touched the surface, man. You know, um, uh, let's keep in contact. Again, my email address is kshedunkuffed at gmail.com. Keep the emails coming because I'm able to kind of see what subject matters need to keep being talked about. And um, one of my next episodes coming up, I'm, I'm very happy to say that I will be speaking with Miss. Amy Trask, former president of the and CEO of the then Oakland Raiders, and um, she's a fantastic person. She would always, uh, back even when I was, uh, uh, you know, no longer uh, on the team and I was a police officer, she was so gracious and she would always call. Uh, make sure I was doing okay. If I needed anything, she was always there. What do you need? Um, if I came over there um, to, I was part of a, like a program to go talk to the, to the youngsters or the new new signees and all that stuff. She, if she heard that I was there, she would always come down and meet me at the front, and then she would hold a forum and she would tell, "Hey guys, you'd be nice to this dude. He's this and this and this." And then she would embarrass me with all these fantastic stories and um, you know Amy Trass. Uh, is a blessing to many different people in this world, NFL-wise and uh, gender-wise. I got two girls, so having someone in, of her uh, status um, still uh, willing to sit down with me on my podcast, um, it, it's an amazing thing. So I'm looking forward to that one. Everybody keep in contact, keep in touch. This is going to be K-Shed, episode number nine, out. Mm -hmm.